Welcome to All Villa, No Filler, a podcast about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. This is Rivalries, a series where we speak to fans and reporters from rival clubs. We're joined today by Ian Barber, a lifelong Manchester United fan who joined protests against the club's owners on Sunday, which led to the postponement of their match against Liverpool. Before we talked about the upcoming Villa game, I asked Ian what drove United fans to demonstrate on Sunday. Well, we look at the European Super League fiasco of a couple of weeks ago. That was a reason, but it wasn't the only reason. That was sort of the the spark that we needed to kick us back into life. We've been wanting these people out of our football club since 2005 when they took over. And we had the protest in 2010, which came at a time when we were were doing well on the pitch. We'd just won three league titles. So I hear these these, um, pundits people like Graham Souness, Peter Schmeichel, you should know better, saying, oh, well, United fans are only doing this because they're not doing very well and City are now the top dogs in Manchester. That's absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. They've torn the soul out of our football club. And eventually, this was always going to happen. I think lockdown played a massive part. We haven't been able to go to the games. We haven't been able to get together as fans and as friends en masse. So this was an opportunity to get out there and show that we still care and it's still a massive, massive deal for us to get these people out of the football club. Because a large number of United fans have been against the Glazers right from the very start. You know, what that's going back 15, 16 years now, amazingly. Um, but this, to me, looked like the strongest reaction possibly yet, um, certainly for a long while. Why is this time different? Because I think we've got hope, haven't we? We saw what supporters could do with the Super League within two days. You know, their dreams were crushed of this breakaway league. So I think that's given us hope as fans to say, yeah, you know what? We still do have a say and we still can change things. For so many years, we've all been so passive. Like how many trains have we all missed getting, trying to get back from places like Crystal Palace on a Wednesday night because Sky won the game on a Wednesday night? Hmm. We've sat down for so long as football fans and just taken what the governing bodies, the broadcasters have thrown at us. And now it's time to say, you know what? We've got a say if we get together. And you look at what happened on Sunday, it didn't take that much organisation. You know, there was various fan groups who were involved, obviously, in naming no names, but it was a few thousand people who were targeted in the right places who were able to stop a worldwide event taking place. It really wasn't that complicated. And I just think it shows you, you know what, we could do that again if we wanted to. And if we do do it again, what does that mean for the Glazers? What does that mean for the pockets? So I think that's the main thing. We have hope that things can, can change. And we've just seen today, Chelsea have just announced that they're going to have fans on there sitting in on their boardroom discussions for next season. They won't have voting rights, I read, but, you know, it's a positive step in, in the direction. And I think United Sports Trust have, you know, asked for a similar thing. So I feel like we are moving in the right direction in terms of fan involvement with the clubs. Yeah, because, I mean, full disclosure, we've known each other a long time. We were even housemates many years ago. And you're possibly the most passionate football fan I think I've ever met you know you uh you got the man united manchester united tattoos um i remember you doing some crazy journeys to get to games up at old trafford you know the next day i'd have an exam but somehow you'd be you know somehow you get to that game away in the north pole or wherever it was and uh back to cardiff but uh you know so you strike me as somebody who you know lifelong united fan season ticket for forever um when you saw the super league uh and the attempt to establish it how did you feel, you know, as, as a fan who has been so passionate about the club for so long? Uh, disgusted, embarrassed, ashamed, and 
all three of those words were used in an email that I sent to the ticket office the day after it was announced. Um, a few of us had called up and said, you know, we're not happy about this. They said, oh, well, put it in an email. Someone will read it. So I just said, I, I will not renew my ticket if you go ahead with these plans because it's not, it's not what this club's about. Look at what Matt Busby did taking United into Europe all those years ago. He would be absolutely disgusted with what the club tried to do. A closed shop European competition. Absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. So it was just, I think um, there was a few people in the days after who were criticising the fans of the clubs involved. And we were more, more angry than anyone. I saw Danny Baker having a go at United fans. That's absolute rubbish. We don't want to do it. We love going to, to Villa Park. You know, we don't want that to end. So, yeah, that, that, I, it was, honestly, I could not think of anything else for the first few days. And, you know, my girlfriend was like, what's the matter with you? What's up with you? Why are you in a mood? It's like, because I feel like something that's such a massive part of my life and always has been is being slowly ripped away. And I think, I think a lot of people felt like that, not just the clubs involved. And, hmm. I mean, just to go back to the Glazers for a minute, I mean, these people, they've not improved Old Trafford one jot since they, since they came in. And people might think, oh, what's that got to do with anything? But I went to one of the NFL games at um, Spurs' ground last season. And what they've done there is absolutely amazing. Like, the club have been left behind in so many aspects. The ground's leaking. We had, when it was raining heavily, the roof leaked. You saw how easy the fans got into the ground the other day. That says it all about United's ground. Like one padlock and they're in. Uh, yeah. Training ground, Villa, I mean, I've just seen today, Villa have just shown their behind the scenes of their new multi-million pound training ground. It looks amazing. That leaves Carrington in the dust because there's just no investment. There's no investment in the infrastructure of the club. Yes, they give us money to spend, but if you look at when we spend it, it's when we've dropped out of the top four. It's just getting us back into that position to make the money again. They've just absolutely drained the soul out of the football club and it's got to stop. And on your Twitter page, you know, you have a banner reading 50 plus one. Now, that obviously makes me think of German football. And German football didn't join in with the Super League either. They were very much against it right from the very beginning. Now, um, can you tell us why you want 50 plus one? Maybe tell us a little bit more about what it exactly is and why you wanted it United. Yeah, well, it's probably a pipe dream for us in this country at the moment. But it is a reality in Germany. So with 50 plus one is that by law in Germany, German teams, fans there must have 50% of the voting shares plus one share, which means they can never be outvoted because they're always going to be just over the margin for having over half the voting rights. So that is why you wouldn't have seen any German teams getting involved with the Super League. And it's why you will see those massive displays of fan unity on the yellow wall, you know, Borussia Dortmund, because they're organised, because they have big says in what happens at the club, what happens in the stadium. There are certain... Uh, teams that get around it so you've got like your Wolfsburgs and Bayer Leverkusen who started out as workers teams for you know different companies so they get around it a little bit but that's what it is in essence now the problem is here how do you convince the Glazers to give up 51 well 50 plus one percent of their shares it's just not going to happen they're not going to do it willingly are they so what we need really is government intervention so we need this fan review to really kick off and it's probably too late for us we're, we're probably, you know, we're probably doomed, to be honest. I think the, the Glazers aren't going to give up that, those, those voting rights. They want full control. They want to be able to pursue whichever commercial opportunities they want to. But what if we can stop it for other clubs? You know, who's going to be the next Glazers who come in and rip the soul out of another football club? So if we can stop it happening, put pressure on the government and maybe save a few football clubs down the line, then that would be great. 
Yeah, I mean, what do you say to fans of other clubs or pundits as well who said, you know, the Glazers have spent a lot of money on players and they have in fairness, you know, 85 million on uh, Harry Maguire, I think 90 million on Pogba. But what do you say to no, it's not that money. It's not. It's not their money at all. We're, you know, we we're a self-sufficient football club. We're economically one of those football clubs that can survive without a, an owner coming in like they did at Manchester City and like they did at Chelsea. It's not their money. You look at the amount of money that we've paid off in, you know, debt repayments, interest, the dividend which they take every year, no matter what the financial climate, every single year, which is like is up to about nearly 150 million pounds now, just straight into their back pocket. And for what? They're the biggest example of absentee owners football has ever seen. I think you could probably count on one hand the amount of times they've been to Old Trafford. So what, what are they doing to deserve that money? Absolutely nothing. And it also sounded to me like a lack of communication from the owners themselves seemed to be a, like a real major issue. Oh, yeah, there's, there's no communication. I mean, Gary Neville said it, said it, didn't he? He said there's no trust to rebuild because they've never spoken to us. They've never once spoken to us apart from that letter. And there was a fans forum meeting last Friday where um, we were told people would attend. I think Ed Woodward was there, but he's on his way out anyway. Less said about him, the better. Um, but yeah, no, no, no sign of the Glazers, you know, nothing. Oh, yeah, oh, you know, it's a Zoom, isn't it? You can do it from your yacht in, that's docked in, in Florida if you want to. You don't have to come to Manchester. You can just jump on a Zoom and, and face up to these supporters. Not interested. They're just not interested. Before we get to the Aston Villa game that's coming up this week, what would be your message to the Glazers? Just start listening to us. Just, you know, as you say, communicate with us because I really feel like we're not going away this time. Mm. You know, people protested in 2005. Lots of United fans walked away and set up FC United. 2010, we tried our best, but it's really difficult to keep that momentum when you're protesting. But now I feel like there really is a groundswell that we can build on. Mm. And I just say, just say to them, look, listen to us. We're not expecting you to just say, you know what, we'll sell, we'll sell all our shares to you because we have the money. Who's going to buy it anyway? But listen to what United Supports Trust are putting to you, you know. Let's get some fans, let's get some independent voices on the board. Let's start a process where we might be able to start buying back shares in the club, even at small volumes at first, and engage with the government review, you know. Let's get some sort of legislation in place that might protect this from happening in the future. I mean, that's the clean version, right? <laughs> I, I don't know what I would say to them if I had the chance to face-to-face, but yeah, complete parasites. Right. And, um, you know, uh, it's also worth clarifying that you were at the protests on Sunday outside the stadium. You weren't one of the fans <laughs> who ran on the pitch. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't on the pitch, no. To be fair, I mean, yeah, I, I was actually at the Lowry at that point. So the point was being made there. But then I did go up to Old Trafford. And it's frustrating that the violence happened. And I think, you know, there was lads walking over. with. I think the local Tesco sold out of alcohol. So once all that was consumed, you can always imagine that it was going to descend into something that it shouldn't have been, which is a shame because it takes away the message. And yeah. if you look at the media reporting over the last couple of days, it has sort of distilled what we were trying to do. But yeah, that was direct action. And I see people going, oh, it's disgusting United fans are on the pitch. Is it? Is that more disgusting than draining a billion pounds out of one of Britain's biggest football clubs, really, when all said and done? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. Yeah, they shouldn't, the people shouldn't have thrown flares at Graham Souness. They shouldn't have kicked indoors, but sorry, there's a bigger picture. There is a bigger picture here, and sometimes you need to take direct action. And we'll we'll move on to the the Villa game that's coming up now. Um, do, well, firstly, will the Villa game go ahead? Do you think, or might we see more <laughs> protests? No, no. Well, it's a, it's at your place, isn't it? Yeah, so it's a Villa yeah, Park. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it'll go ahead. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm sure it will go ahead. But you know, just while we're on the case, I mean, you have American owners, and 
you know, I don't want this to sound like I just hate all investment because it can be good, guy. I mean, what do you think of your owners? It seems like Villafans are pretty, pretty happy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. We, um, our owners are um, Egyptian uh, Nasser Sawiris and Wes Edens from the US. Uh, joint ownership and to be honest they saved the club they they saved the club we were on the brink of catastrophe uh in 2018 ever since it's been um the image has been brilliant the training ground for instance today that video you know the training ground the facilities they look first class the women's team the investment there plus investment in the the team being fatal to dean smith when they could have you know turned against him everything they've done so far as far as i can tell has looked great from our perspective but we also have to remember that we had another U.S. owner, uh, Randy Lerner, who for the first five years we all thought was great. Um, spent loads of money to try and get us in the Champions League. We finished sixth every almost every year. Um, massive contracts to players, huge transfer fees, and then he went for the money ball route in 2010, and that's partly why um, Martin O'Neill left um, just before the season started. And it, from then on, it was just a. It seemed like a complete lack of interest. He wrote a letter, the season, um, 2015-16 season, um, saying he couldn't dedicate his energies to it anymore and was putting the club up for sale. And that's that filters down into the whole club, you know. And that season, lo and behold, we came bottom of the league. I mean, Aston Villa coming bottom of the league on 17 points. That is, that's just. It's not. It's not tolerable. Like it, you know, like it. No club should go through that, but particularly a team of such like longevity as Aston Villa, you know, it just it just shouldn't have happened, and it did. So I'd say that's a warning. Like whilst the owners at the moment, it's all good, it's all great. Hopefully, it stays that way, and I can only speak well of them at the moment. But we do have to also look back in the past and think, you know, what could fan ownership have potentially done um, to stop something like Randy Lerner happening in those last few years? Yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, if if you did have the fan representation on your board. It might safeguard you a bit in the future from mm. bad decisions being made to leave you in the spot you're in. So obviously yeah. it's great that it's all good now, but let's see where we are five years down the road, I guess. Yeah, I think particularly with the Super League and the fact that it felt like the owners never communicated with the fans, that to me feels like a breaking point where it just says there has to be better fan representation and better fan communication. That's the way it looks to me, at least. For all clubs, just, all clubs. You just can't keep treating these football clubs as just businesses. They're mm. not just businesses like... I heard Rory Smith, uh, who writes for the New York Times on the radio, saying now, like, they need to understand that if you're going to take on this, well, yeah, it'll make you a massive amount of money. There is huge personal feeling attached to it. Mm. You have to take that into consideration when you when you're dealing with these things. Yeah. Like, you know, a bit morbid, but if, if someone dies around Manchester, you see the hearse, you'll see the flowers in United colours or City mm. colours. Like football clubs mean that much to people. Yeah. I, at the full time of every game, I ring my dad. And before that, my dad rang his dad. And it's mm. just, oh, you know what I mean? Like, and I will, hopefully, if I do have kids, I will have, ring my son in the future to talk about a game. It's passed down. It means mm. so much. So you cannot just come in and go, yeah, we're going to do this without asking anybody. Yeah. It just can't happen. If Manchester United had joined the Super League, what would you as a fan have done? I would have said goodbye to my football club, which, as you know, would be just unbelievable for me to say that. I would have given him a season ticket. I wouldn't want any part in it. And I might have had a passing interest in what they were doing, but maybe not even that, because what does it even mean anymore? Um, I was saying to my friend who, you know, I go to United with and he runs one of the supporters buses. I should go to Altrincham, Altrincham FC, which is just around the corner from us. You know, you know what time kickoff is at three o'clock. You can have a pint while you're watching the game. 
Never any concern about getting away ticket through ballots. Sounds pretty good to me, actually. All villa, no filler. On Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. With regards to the, the game that's coming up at Villa Park now, Unfortunately, we don't tend to do very well against Manchester United. <laughs> kind of, maybe now I'm thinking, run off to the Super League, just go away. But uh, like, basically, we um, the last time we beat you at Villa Park was in 1995, and it was a game that I was at. It was the can't win anything with kids game. Um, Beckham scored. We were shocking that day. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we haven't beaten you at Villa Park since. So, uh, yeah, well, in the league at least, anyway. So, um. What should Villa expect from Manchester United? Uh, they should expect a very slow start. So if I was Villa, I would be coming out all guns blazing because we can't seem to start a game in the right gear. Mm. Uh, so, it, you know, if we're still in the game come second half, we've got a great shot at winning it pretty much, you know, kind of whatever the score is. Um, we start slowly, um, but when we get going, we do have world class. So you look at the players like Pogba, Cavani, Fernandez, they really got in tune the other night against Roma when we won 6-2 mm. and they actually all played to what the level they can be at and if, you know, if we do that, it sound, this sounds arrogant as hell but I think we'll blow Villa away but we so rarely do, we so rarely do. Mm. It was like, I think last season when you beat us 3-0 at Villa Park, you, you started the game pretty badly actually considering we were in terrible form at the time and then you got the... Honestly, the very- <laughs> It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you got. You just want to shake and say, "What are you doing?" <laughs> you at half time. Looking at Aston Villa, what do you see as our strengths, and what do, is there anything you're slightly concerned about for United? Well, I've got to be honest. Um, I'm one of these people who has not watched a lot of football since it went behind closed doors. Obviously, I watch United, and I love watching United, but so I haven't watched that, that much of Villa. So, but I believe that Ollie Watkins is now looking extremely dangerous and might be in with a shout for England call up. Yeah. yeah. Euros potentially. So that's obviously really good for Villa. So our centre backs, you know, our defensive record would have you believe that we're pretty good, but my God, they make some mistakes. And Harry Maguire looks like a car horse once once or twice a game. So if I was them, I'd be I'd be targeting that. And I'll tell you something else as well, Fred. Oh my God, the amount of times Fred gets caught on the ball in our own half is wow. just criminal. For a player that costs £50 million, I just can't believe it. And it's harsh because sometimes he does a lot of stuff right, but my God, if you target Fred, you'll have a great chance of winning the game. Right, I'll pass that information on to Dean Smith, actually. Oh, they'll already know. Troy Dean, he was on radio talking about it a year or so ago. And he, and it's just like, yeah, you're absolutely right. He was like, look at Fred. Look how many touches he takes and he, when he's turning on the ball in his own, in his own half. Mm. And he does. Wow. It's criminal. I don't know how he doesn't how he doesn't get punished for it more, but yeah, so often loses the ball in that final third, and then it's like, you know, what's going to happen now? <laughs> <laughs> Villa, we've not been in great form recently, um, but the game against Everton was our best, I think, in the Jack Grealish injury era. Um, we were all everyone was excellent, really. Um, so you know, I'm slightly more optimistic than I was a week ago about the United game, that we could at least do something. But uh, who do you think Villa fans should beware of from United at the moment? Is there anyone who's in really great form? Yeah, well, I've already mentioned, you know, Fernandez, Cavani and Pogba. They're all starting to look like the players they should be. Uh, but another one that jumps out is Mason Greenwood. Mm. He had a really tough start to the season after what happened with England. And I think it knocked his confidence a bit. But when he's come in recently, my God, he's just... I can't even explain to you what a good finisher he is. He's, 
he's beyond Van Persie in terms of his finishing, even wow. already, if you ask me. So I feel like he probably deserves to be starting most games now, and I would probably say at the expense of Rashford, to be honest. I mean, wow. Rashford's being held together by spitting wishes at the moment. I mean, Paul Lad's like just destroyed his body for the cause over the past year or so. I mean, really, it could do it could do with a break and not going to the Euros, if you ask me. Really? Wow. Yeah, he just looks, he looks injured all the time. Um, so yeah, Mason Greenwood is, is the man to watch for me at the moment, definitely. And Luke Shaw as well, I mean, less likely to, you know, directly harm you, but God, he's such a good player now. And you mm. would never have thought it when you saw him under Mourinho. Yeah, I was going to say that. He was a, Luke Shaw was a player that I think had been slightly written off at one time under Mourinho and his, his form has just come... Slightly written off by the fans as well, to be honest. I mean, he was overweight. Apparently he wasn't doing the right things behind the scenes, you know. How much of that is true, I don't know. But God, he's turned it around. So, I mean, fair play to him and fair play to Solskjaer as well. I guess we need to credit Oli because it's man management, really. Mm. I, mean, what, I mean, what do you think of Oli? I mean, it's, uh, I mean the guy, it seemed like there were voices out there quite prominent voices within the media who seem to write him off quite quickly. But he just seems to keep proving people wrong, Ollie. You would not imagine the amount of time we've spent discussing this in our sort of United fans WhatsApp group. My yeah. God. It's like so sort of reactive to results as well. Like you've got mm. a few people who never really fancied him as manager of Man United. Obviously love him as a player and what he did for the club, but never really thought he had what it takes to manage one of the biggest clubs in the world. But then you've got your people who go, well, you know, he's doing a great job. Look at the improvement. And if you look at where we are now compared to where we were last season and the season before, yeah, there's 100% definite improvement on the pitch. Sometimes we look a bit one-dimensional. Um, at first, it was all about counter-attack. I think we've got over that a little bit now. Um, mm. And we're playing better football as a rule. But he's got to win something. He's got to win something soon. And um, what a chance to win it, you know, being 6-2 up in the first leg of the semi against Roma. Mm. So well, for me, yeah, I'd, oh, I mean, I'm definitely Ollie in. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not Ollie out or anything, but <laughs> I, I would quite like him to win some of this year because I think a second place finish is good. You know, I think we have been the second best team in the country over the course of the season. Now it's time for a new section where we ask our rival fans a spicy question. Today, we ask you, Ian, about Aston Villa's wonder player, Jack Grealish. The Euros aren't far away now, but Super Jack has been injured for quite some time. Do you think he should start for England? Yeah, definitely. He's a Rolls-Royce for player, isn't he? I mean, so jealous that you've still got him. Fair play to him. I mean... Fair place for still being there. You know, there was that there was that year, wasn't it, where it looked like he was gonna go. I think was mm. it when you went down or were close to going down? I can't remember. Yeah. I thought top, Tottenham looked like where he was heading to. Yeah, yeah. And it was all kind of like, oh, he's done, Jack, it's just it's really just going, but he's not, he's stayed, he's fought for the club. That obviously means a lot to him. He's just amazing. I I'd sign him in a heartbeat. I would. I mm. love the way he plays. Um, but yeah, it got starting for England. I mean, oh, they're saying that with Phil Foden, it pains me to say it, but <laughs> He's got to be on the team sheet as well, hasn't he, I think, for the Euros. Yeah, they, I mean, it's quite extraordinary to see Foden and Grealish both playing the way they are. I mean, Foden is just, as I say, it must be pain in you. But uh, I think as England fans, I guess it's uh, extremely exciting to see what he's doing. Unbelievable. Um, I mean, everything he touches turns to gold at the moment. I mean, we're recording this ahead of this City PSG game. I have no doubt that he'll play well again tonight. Yeah. Just hell of a footballer. And yeah. 
it's like you've got a player on the hands there. And we all criticised Guardiola, didn't we? We all thought he wasn't giving him enough chances, but yeah. he's, he's done the right thing. But yeah, going back to Grealish, yeah, he's got to start. He's got to start. If he's fit, if he's definitely fit, he's got to start. Yeah. Every single person I've interviewed on this, um, on rivalries, and I've asked this question to, has said the exact same thing. Grealish has to start, um, which is extraordinary. It's exciting. It's an exciting player, isn't it? He's an exciting player. Got to have him in there. Gets, your, gets bums off seats, doesn't he? It, and it's the range of options he offers. You know, he can, you know, I'd say, draw fouls or that kind of thing. He, but he, it's his change of pace. He's deceptively quick. His creativity is, on, is just, a, I personally think, a genius level. I think he's a genius of a player. I think he's an absolutely incredible footballer and the best I've seen at Villa, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Villa fans are going <laughs> to not enjoy me saying this, but look, Grealish has been linked with United before. Obviously, I don't want that to ever happen and I'll never forgive... Uh, United for stealing my Dwight York away from me. But, oh, I love Dwight York. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it hurts me that does. But you know, would you prefer United to spend 100 million quid on Grealish or on Sancho? Oh, that's a good question. I would say Grealish, and it's not because I don't like Sancho. Although, do you know what? I don't watch a lot of German football, so I haven't seen much of him. Or I'm told he's very, very good. Hmm. Um, but we've got Mason Greenwood, who plays in a very similar position to Sancho. Mm. And that, as you say, that creativity, God, how, how important is that for any football team? Obviously, we've got Bruno Fernandes, who's amazingly creative. Pogba mm. as well, when he's in his game. But yeah, I'd, I'd take Grealish over those two. God, God forbid it ever happens. I mean, I think that's, we touched, we talked about the owners earlier and um, it was a conversation with our owner last year we, between, with Grealish that convinced him to sign the five-year contract. So, um a fair play to the owners for keeping him because I just never want to see him leave. He's just, you know, he's our, he's our prodigal son, I think, really. The so, day will come, mate. The day will come at some point. I, I, if he has an amazing Euros, I'm nervous that someone, someone's going to make a big bid. Um, can Villa hold out? I, I'm going to believe we can. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to be, so, be unusually optimistic. For <laughs> I think uh, when I, when I see that news breaks, when it inevitably does, I'm going to have to call you because I'm going to be that worried about you. <laughs> 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 walking, I'll be walking from London to Birmingham, listening to Radiohead on repeat, just for <laughs> absolutely beyond. I'd oh like. I've, always, I've said the story before about when Dwight York left for Villa and he was my childhood hero. Um, or oh, sorry, York left uh, Villa for United. And uh, as my childhood hero, um, I remember being so devastated and unable to speak that my mum had to take me for a happy meal to help me get over it. And um, I <laughs> hey, think... that doesn't work for me, mate. I love, love him after you know that. <laughs> that's true. But then as I got older, you know, you experienced heartbreak relationships. And I look back in time and I'm like... Dwight York leaving Villa was my first experience of heartbreak. Like it was, it was, it was brutal. Um, so God, I hope it never happens with Well, poor Ashley Young's not getting much airtime, is he? He's another one. <laughs> yeah. So much. <laughs> the young one that came uh, when Villa were really on the downward trajectory. I think um, it didn't come as much of a surprise that one. I think, um, but I think Grealish obviously has a, an almost spiritual connection to Villa, um, been a lifelong fan and all that kind of thing. It'd be. It'd be a real wrench. So, hopefully, Jack's leading us to the Champions League next season. <laughs> have you got a poster of him on your wall? Uh, I, do, I don't actually. Although I have, well, we have a calendar, so technically, I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, you, just, you just never change it. You just leave it on the month that he's on all the time. <laughs> yeah. You never where you going? What you doing? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> 
So that's it, it's unanimous, we have decided Jack Grealish should go to the Euros. If you have an opinion on that, you can get in touch with us at allvillanofiller at gmail.com or you can contact us through Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. So Ian, before you go, I've got to ask you, what is your prediction for the Aston Villa-Manchester United game? Uh, oh, my prediction... I think it might be a bit easier to call now because of the result we had against Roma. So I would think he'll feel a bit of a weakened team on Thursday in Rome. Um, I mean, to be honest, for us, the leagues are kind of, it's kind of a done deal, isn't it? I mean, I think we're going to finish in the top four. So that worries me a bit. You know, we won't be going all guns. But if we play the way we can, I'm going to say 3-1 United. Um, Ollie Watkins to get the goal for Villa. Um, and another Bruno, Bruno Fernandes penalty and another Cavani. <laughs> they call him Penandas, is it? The uh, fans. <laughs> but uh, well, my, my favourite was Penchester United. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, um, I mean, we did go through, go through a period again a lot of penalties, but because we're getting fouled in the box, <laughs> conspiracy, man. That's Jesus. I mean, we were saying on the podcast the other day, all of us were more optimistic than we usually would be playing United because you know I've I've been to too many Billy United games now and seen us have either get battered or have really heartbreaking last minute you know, turnarounds and, you know, just seen too much of it over the years to ever feel optimistic. But I think, you know, yes, you've got the Europa League semi on, th- on is it Thursday playing them? Thursday night, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then um, the Le- City have pretty much won the league, haven't they? So, uh, I mean, Greenwood worries me a lot because um, he's getting a bit back into form and he got that goal against us last year. But I'm going to say score draw. I'm going to say we get a draw. 2-2. Two, 2-2 two. Two, two is what I'm going to go with. I could, I could see that happening. I could definitely see that happening. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like one of those games for me, like, as you say, it's, it was kind of obvious what the result was going to be for a long time. Mm. Um, I remember when, remember when you beat us in 2010? And I remember just driving away from the game going, what's happened? <laughs> like, genuinely, I couldn't believe we'd lost the Villa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, we played a hell of a lot of worse teams in Villa over the years. But for some yeah. reason, we just seem to have the cheat code in the games of Villa. So when you beat us that time, I'm like, oh my God, it's like a gut punch. Yeah, I thought that was the start of a new thing. I was like, right, we got United now. Yeah. 12, 13 <laughs> years later, no. Um, I was going out that night. It ruined my night, I think. <laughs> I actually remember exactly where I was when that game. I remember a Villa fan friend calling me and he was walking out of, the, the, I was out of Old Trafford and he was like, can't believe it, mate. Can't believe it. This is the, this is the greatest thing that's ever. Like, can you believe it? And so I think it's just one of them games. That I think both yeah. sets of supporters are just never going to forget for different reasons. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I have um, strange experiences with Villa Park. Um, <laughs> if you want me to, uh, <laughs> to dive on stories, uh, I didn't have a ticket, so I ended up in the what's the end called opposite the whole end? North Stand. North, yeah, I was in North Stand and uh, got rumbled when Falcao scored an equaliser and. Uh, <laughs> I was asked asked to leave by <laughs> by a good number of Villa fans, which you know <laughs> I was in your end, whatever. Uh, so that didn't go too well either. So yeah, I've got a great track record at Villa Park personally, but right. uh, United have, so that's all that matters. Yeah, well, I was going to say, you know, like Villa Park itself. I think it's uh, I I take great pride in Villa Park. I think it is one of the premier grounds in the UK and has aged really well. I mean, do you, as an away supporter, you've been to every ground imaginable. You have, but you know. What do you think of Villa Park? You know? Love it. Just love it. Love how old school it is. Love how it's got character. I like where the away end is as well. 
um, <clears throat> at the end and it right by at the bottom of the pitch. It's just a good day out. It's handy to get to as well for us, mm. which is always good. Jump back on the M6. But, you know, you, you've been to Glosman as well, but you go to so many identical grounds that are yeah. so boring. Like, you've been, it's been to one, you've been to them all, so it's just so nice. Like, I hope Villa never leave. <laughs> yeah. I've never been talk of that, but I hope you don't ever leave. Okay, thanks everybody for listening. I've been your host, Frankie Maguire, and thank you so much for joining us, Ian. Oh, cheers for having me. It's been good. And I mean this when I say it. I hope Villa keep doing well. It's a pleasure to see him back in the top half. Hopefully you can make a push for Europe next year, maybe. And it's goodbye from me. I'll be back with George and Roisin later this week to talk all things Villa. But until then, come on, Super Aston Villa. <laughs>